of our voices. Happy Father's Day to you fathers out there. Let's lift up our voices as we sing, No, Not One, and then Victory in Jesus. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one, no, not one. None else could heal all our souls in Jesus. No, not one, no, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one, no, not one. Was there a gift like the Savior given? No, not one, no, not one. Will he refuse us a home in heaven? No, not one, no, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will die till the day. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you. We praise you and thank you for the many blessings you've given to us. And I pray that you would be with us in this service that in every way we might exalt you. Help us to lay aside the worries, the, the rushing about of the morning, and help us to really focus in just on worshiping you. 
In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated.
Let's all stand together and lift up our voices as we sing How Deep the Father's Love. And then, oh, praise the name. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all
Amen.
videos like that, hard for me to not cry. Tugs at your heart to think about your kids and, and you remember back raising your kids or maybe you're a kid and you, you think about the dad who raised you and the influence they had on you and all the memories. It's, it's part of Father's Day, isn't it? To just remember, contemplate. Maybe your dad has passed away like mine and just think back. Or maybe your children have grown and left like mine and you remember. But it is a good time to just step back and think about dads and what they mean to us and how we should be a good dad. We are in a series in 1 Peter chapter 3. The series is Loving Life and Seeing Good Days. It comes from 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 10. It says, for he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. You and I, if we want to love life and see good days, the Bible teaches that you have to be purposeful. It doesn't happen by accident. You have to decide, I do want to love the life that God has given me and I do want to see good days. And I'm going to take the steps necessary to see that happen. So for the last six Sundays, we've been in a series. The first message in the series was beginning with the basics. And we started with moms and dads, men and women, coming together and making a family. Then we looked at reaching for mutual care. Because a family is about taking care of one another in so many ways. Then we looked at loose lips, sink ships, and how true it is. The things we say can, can be very damaging. We have to think about those things we're going to say. We have to contemplate them. Step back, count to ten is a good, good piece of advice. Seeing good days by seeking good action or good deeds. We looked at that and contemplated you know what? That's right. I need to take the right steps. I need to do the right things if I'm going to love life and see good days. And then we looked at love life while loving God. Because he needs to be the center of our home, center of our family. Yes, we love life, but God needs to be that central part that pulls us together as Husbands and wives and boys and girls, families, community, church. And this morning we're going to look at verses 15 down through 17. The last message in the series of loving life and seeing good days. And the point this morning is, let God's moral code reign in you. You see, because if we create our own moral code, then we're going to be just a BB rolling around in a box. But if we say to ourselves, you know what? God has given me the manual of life. He's gone ahead and set the standard of life. He's given me the moral code that I might live and know him and be the kind of dad, the kind of mom, kind of family member, church member, community member that God would desire me to be. So listen as I read to you 1 Peter 3 verses 15 down through 17. 
It says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversations in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. So in this particular part of the scriptures that started with simply talking about husbands and wives, men and women and families, and as he progresses down through, here he talks to you and I about that moral code, that good conscience that we should have in our daily lives, doing it all to his glory. In fact, he started with verse 15 by simply saying, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. So he wants us to make a direct link, a direct connection. He says, if you're going to live a life that honors God, if you're going to live according to his moral code, if you're going to live a life with a good conscience before God and man, he says you have to start by having Christ in your heart and in your soul. You've got to start with the simple plan of salvation. You've got to start by sanctifying the Lord God in your heart. And as I read that text, I thought to myself, well, there's so many directions I could go with that. I could do the straight theological and go and just expose for you all that sanctified meant in the Old Testament and the New Testament and how there's progressive sanctification, there's one-time sanctification and salvation. But I thought, no, I think we're going to go back to the simple truth. And that is, he's saying to you and I, we need to start with Christ. We need to start with salvation. We need to start with Christ in our hearts. And it is the simple gospel. It is the simple plan of salvation. Here in the last few weeks, Brother John got to lead a gentleman to Christ who stopped by and just wanted to talk about salvation. I had the privilege in the last week and a half to lead a couple different gentlemen to, to Christ by just simply sitting down and opening the Bible. One was in my office and the other gentleman was right in his kitchen as we went through the scriptures. And we started with the simple truth that every single one of us is a sinner. When you go to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 3, 23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's not a complicated question or concept. He's telling us here, he's saying, if you want to live according to God's moral code, if you want to have a good conscience between you and God and man, then you need to start by having God come into your heart. He, he needs to sanctify you, cleanse you, make you ready for the master's use. And the problem is you're a sinner. And so aren't I. We all are. For all have come short of the glory of God. But the marvelous thing is Romans chapter 5 verse 8 tells us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us that we might have eternal life. So God looked down from heaven above and he looked down and saw Steve Whitney and he said, you know what? Steve Whitney has a problem and that problem is like every other human being, he's a sinner. And Jesus said, as God, 
I'm willing to be the sacrifice. I'll pay for Steve's sin, Tim's sin. I'll pay for Anne's sin or, or Emily's sin. And while we were yet sinners, Christ gave himself for us. Paid for our sins. That's an amazing, powerful truth. To imagine that God would leave heaven above simply, willingly, to pay for your sins and mine. And so he starts off by telling us, absolutely, we need to have sanctification. We need to have God in our hearts because we're sinners. Christ paid for that on Calvary. And he offers to us eternal life. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he simply offers to every single one of us eternal life. We have a choice. We can have eternal death, which is hell, torture for eternity, separation from God, torment. Or we can have the gift of eternal life. And he starts off in our text by telling us, if you're going to live according to God's moral code, if you're going to talk about the hope that is in you, then it has to start by you receiving the gift of God, eternal life. This morning in Bible Hour Sunday School, we were talking about what is that hope that is there for the Christian that hope is eternal life. It's not just life here. It's eternal life. Remember years ago, the nursing home in Middlebury called me and said, Pastor Tim, there's a, a lady in our nursing homes in her 90s and she's getting ready to pass. And she asked us to find a Baptist preacher who would come down and just sit and talk to her and pray with her. I said, I'd be glad to do that. And I, set up a time and I came down and had never met this lady before. She had actually moved here for the sole purpose of dying where her ch children were. So I sat down beside her bed and held her hand and she told me her life story. Told me about all the years she taught boys and girls in Sunday school, how she taught Awana, how that she had ministered and won people to Christ. And, and then she got older and she became a prayer warrior because she could no longer serve actively. And she told me, she said, I am so looking forward to heaven. So looking forward to Jesus. She wasn't worried about all the things that maybe some people say or think she missed. She knew she's missing nothing, man. She's going to heaven. I held her hand and sat and prayed with her and she died within a day. But she died happy. Why? Because the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And when I sit down and I, I go through the gospel and talk to people about their sin condition and the price Christ paid for their sin and the hope of heaven, we always come to the simple question, the, the dilemma that we have, and that is, well, I understand how to receive a wage. I get that. Every week, uh, you know, we, the, Ann, our treasurer, she brings by a little stack of checks 
because we have multiple staff at the church. We have preschool staff, we have church staff. Uh, Ashley, this is second last Sunday. She's gonna be here next Sunday. I go through, I ask, are you still going by Ashley Hogan? Yes, okay, here you go. <laughs> And then sometimes one of them will skip getting their check because we so overpay them. They don't need it weekly. I'm just teasing. But I'll go ahead and say they have two checks. I'll say to them, now listen, this one's kind of old. You might not want this. It's a week old, could be a little stale. You want me to keep it? No. We know how to take our wage, don't we? Just reach out and take it. Man, you worked for it. You earned it. It's your wage. But a gift is entirely different, isn't it? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Well, I understand how to reach out and take my check. Or maybe some of you old timers, you know, I, I look back here, maybe an old timer like Rich Gilbert right there. So maybe I look back here to Rich and... And he goes back to the day when you'd go up to the paymaster's window and they'd give you a little bag of gold. <laughs> we understand how to take that wage. But the gift of eternal life, that's pretty elusive. That's pretty mysterious. That's entirely spiritual, isn't it? It's not like reaching out and just taking something physically. You can't see it, taste it, hear it. It's, it's intangible. So we have to go farther in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verses 9, 10, going down to verse 13. And it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he tells us, he says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth, the confession is made unto salvation. So he tells us exactly how to receive the gift of eternal life. He tells us exactly how we can sanctify the Lord in our hearts, as Hebrews talks about. So we say, yes, Lord, I am a sinner. I understand that I have fallen short of the glory of God. Yes, Lord, I do believe in Jesus Christ who while I was yet a sinner died on the cross for me. Yes, Lord, I understand that you offer to me to either take the wage or the gift. And with the mouth I confess to you, I believe. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to give me the gift of eternal life. I accept it. That's what he's talking about in this text. That's what every one of us needs to do to begin that walk with God, to begin that life that honors God. It must begin by us having Christ in our hearts and our lives. We individually and personally have to accept that gift. And if you're here today on this Father's Day, Sunday morning, and you've never received the gift of eternal life, Please don't leave this place today without coming and let us open the Bible. Let us pray with you that today you might become a Christian. So he starts in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, by just reminding us that if we're going to live God's moral code, it has to start by us becoming a child of God. It starts with us sanctifying the Lord in our hearts. But look as we continue a little farther down into the verse. 
He says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So here we find him talking to you and I about being ready. You see, dad, you've got to be ready to give an explanation for the hope that is in you if you are a Christian. You can't shirk it off. You can't be ashamed of it. You can't be one of those folks who says, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't let anybody know. Well, I struggle with that whole concept. You know, it's kind of like people who love Chevys and Fords. I'm telling you right now, every Chevy lover I know is vocal about it. I was just talking to a guy yesterday. And he's talking to me about Chevrolet cars, the, the new cars that have come out, the super sport, powerful Chevrolets. Man, I'm telling you, he is proud of Chevrolet. Now, I could have gone ahead and had somebody walk in and talk to me about Fords, and they would have been every bit as, as amped up about it. So I'm always curious when somebody says, well, I'm a Christian, but that's kind of private. Are you more serious about Chevys and Fords than you are about Christ? So he tells us, he says to you and I as Christians, moms, dads, every one of us that love life and want to seek good days. He says, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you and do it with meekness and faith. So we have to step back and say, well, what is my hope? Is the biggest hope you've ever had that someday you'll get married? Is the biggest hope you've ever had that maybe someday you'll win the, the little fish grabber for having the youngest baby? Is the biggest hope you ever had in life is someday you'll own your own house? Is that, that the biggest hope you've ever had in your life? All those things can come and go and be gone. No, he's talking to you and I about a bigger hope. An eternal hope. He's talking to you and I about heavenly hope. That eternity where we rest in him. That eternity paid by Jesus. That we ourselves might one day live in that heavenly home he's gone to prepare for us as he's told us in John 14. Consider your hope. Look with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Listen to what he says about this hope. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace. And be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto what? A lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God has given to you and I a lively hope. It's not an old dead religion. It's an exciting relationship that one day we shall be with our Lord forevermore. Not some boring place, 
It's a place of celebration. Read your New Testament. Read the book of Revelation. Read about the angels proclaiming and the singing, the music. People go to camp concerts and, man, they get pumped up, don't they? Just think of how pumped everybody's going to be in heaven. He says, listen, we are born unto a lively hope. And here he's telling us, be ready to give an answer for that hope. Why do you believe what you believe? Why have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? And he says, when you, when you do this, when you share about this hope that you have, he says, do it with meekness and fear. So you and I, if we're going to live according to God's moral code, we have to start by having Christ in our heart. And then we have to go ahead and understand that if we really believe what we believe, we're going to be excited about it. And we're going to tell people about it. And we need to tell them with meekness and fear. Not pride and arrogance. Not self-righteousness and condemnation. With meekness and fear. We tell people about the wonders, the majesty of heaven. Colossians chapter 4 verse 6 says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. You see, part of that, that meek, part of that telling people with the fear of God is that you do it in such a way that it manifests the grace of God, sprinkled with the salt. That spice, that pres preservation, the purity of all that God offers in forgiveness. You and I be ready. Be ready to offer an answer for that hope that dwells in us. We should be, even as the Apostle Paul, as he stood before Felix, and Felix wanted to hear, what's going on with you, Paul? What's the deal? I've heard you've gone mad with much learning. What is it that you have to say about Jesus Christ? And when we look in the scriptures at Acts 24, 25, Paul reasoned with him. It says he reasoned righteousness, temperance, and judgment. And it says Felix trembled. Why? Paul was ready. He was ready to give an answer for the hope that he had within him of Jesus Christ. And as Felix contemplated and heard the truths of the scriptures and God, he trembled within himself. You and I, Dad, your boys and girls, they need to see in you the blessed hope of Christ. They need to understand the purity of Christ in you and the transformational power of Christ through you. It should be that when they hear you talk about Jesus Christ and your relationship with Christ and all aspects of life, that it touches them and stirs them because they see it's real. As we come down in this text, the third thing, the last part that I want you to see is in verse 16. Listen to what he says. Because this really touches where we live. He says, having a good conscience. That whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, 
They may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. So as these words are penned, he says, you know what? There are going to be people who say, ah, oh, those Christians, those Christians, they're judgmental. They don't love everybody. Those Christians, at the time of Rome, they had started rumors that when, when Christians did communion, they killed babies and ate and drank their blood. That's what Rome had started saying about Christians. And there are people throughout the ages that have said the most ridiculous things about Christians. Christians, they, they don't love everybody. Really? Because my God, he, he so loved the world. The world. The worst of the worst of the worst, God died on the cross for them. I'm compelled to love everybody. But that doesn't mean I love what they do. When I was a little boy, I had two older sisters, four and five years older than me. And if you're the baby in the family, I'm sorry, I know what it is to be a victim. <laughs> and all the older siblings, they say, oh, you are a spoiled rotten brat. Mom and dad let you get away with everything. If you'd only lived when I was the first child, I took the worst. I've heard it all. <laughs> my biggest sister, my oldest sister, Cindy, I remember one time her and I are arguing. And again, she's five years older than me. And back in those days, we all wore cheap Keds sneakers. Remember those Keds? They, you know, they weren't much, but they were rubber. And so I'm five, I'm I, I, five years younger than her. I'm arguing my best, she's screaming at me. And bam, she kicked me right in the shin. And I mean, she kicked me so hard, it peeled back my little baby skin. <laughs> I thought, what? I've never been attacked before. But that's the kind of thing that happens, isn't it? When we're not living with a good conscience. She did not have a good conscience. Soon as my parents came home, because she was supposed to be taking care of me, you know exactly what I did. Went out there, pulled that pant leg up, showed my parents. And you know what she did? He kicked me first. I would have never dreamed to kick my, she's five years older than me. I'm telling, she dug in, man. There was no convincing anybody that I didn't go ahead and strike first. So my parents said, well, well, we can't know, it's, it's okay. To this day, she does not have a good conscience about me. <laughs> I'm sure she wakes up in the night, because I'm, I'm 67, uh, this next month I'll turn 67. She's getting ready to turn 71. Don't you know she wakes up in the middle of the night and just haunted by that day? <laughs> Listen, God calls us to have a good conscience. It's part of the moral code. 
to live, to have a good conscience. He says in verse 16, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you and as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. There's always people who make false accusations. There's always people who lie about us or say things about us. But God says, you know what? That's no excuse. That's no excuse for you and I to not do right. He says we should live God's moral code even if the whole world lies about us. We should do what's right. Dad, today's Father's Day. And as much as it's a wonderful day of celebration, it's also a day of contemplation. And we ask ourselves, well, what kind of example have I been? Our little video clip, it showed that, that boy remembering. Remembering, remembering. What do our boys remember? What do our girls remember? Dad, we gotta step up. We need to live a life that is a good conscience before God. Acts chapter 24, verse 16 says, Herein do I exercise myself. To have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. So the apostle says, I work out. I'm buff. But my exercise is exercising a good conscience before God and man. It is the greatest investment of time and effort that you can make. Is to go ahead and say that as a Christian, I am committed to the lifestyle that gives me a good conscience. I don't hide it. I don't have to lie about it. I don't have to sneak around. The apostle says, I just exercise living a good, honest, clear conscience before God and man. Think of how many marriages would be better if both the husband and wife had a clean conscience. Think of how many relationships and friendships would be better if they both had good, clear conscience of their behavior between them and God. Whether it be your church, your community, your family. He tells us, he says, you've got to start with Jesus in your heart. If you don't have Christ sanctified in your heart, if you don't have the presence of God, his forgiveness and his newness of life in you, then you are on the wrong track. He says, you need Christ. And he tells us, Christian, if you're serious about it, you should be ready to give a word. You should be ready to share the hope that is within you. And he wraps it up by telling us, you should be doing what you're saying. Practice what you preach. Live a life that is of a good conscience before God and man. Let's bow our heads as we come to the end of the service. And as your head is bowed and as you look in your heart, I'm just going to take a moment, just a minute to ask you. Have you received Christ as your Savior? 
That's where it all begins. In just a moment, we're going to have a verse or two of invitation. And I invite you to come down. Let us open the Bible. Let us answer your questions. Let us pray with you today that you can receive Christ into your heart. Christian, as we get ready to sing those couple verses of invitation, I ask you, are you ready to give an answer for your hope? Is it real? Is it genuine? Are you exercising a good conscience before God? Father in heaven, I pray that you be with us as we come into this brief invitation time. I pray for your Holy Spirit to stir each of our hearts. That we might be more than hearers but doers of your word today. In Christ's name we pray. Let's all stand and John is going to lead us in a verse or two. But maybe you need to right where you are standing or maybe you want to come and pray at the front. Maybe you want to come and Kurt will open the Bible and answer questions and pray with you that you might receive Christ today. This is your invitation, my invitation. Because if we're going to love life and see good days, we need to apply what the scriptures, the life manual has to say. Let's go ahead and sing a couple verses of invitation. If you need to do business with God, now is the time. Just as I am without one thing, but that thy blood was shed. Again, happy Father's Day to every single one of you dads. Thank you for coming and being God's house. Thank you for making it a priority. And all you kids that came because your dad was here, I commend you for doing that for your dad. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. And then I think John's going to close us with a little chorus. Lord, as we go forth, I pray that you'd bless every dad, every mom that is here today. Lord, what a wonderful privilege to have children and to raise them. I pray that you'd bless every boy and girl that's in church this morning. Bless them with the stirring of your Holy Spirit that they might know and draw near to you. Bless them with a life that they can live with a good conscience before you and man. Lord, help us. Help us to take each one of these six weeks Contemplate them, meditate on them, and live them. For truly, these scriptures are applicable to us. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
are dismissed this morning.